The MX Vice Show. Welcome everybody to episode 149 of the MX Vice Show. We have an action-packed show ready for today as we talk to former GP star and now trainer in Brian Jorgensen again, who's back by popular demand after the first show was so well received. Before we welcome Brian, we'd like to thank Parts Europe. Parts Europe distributes spare parts, accessories and ride equipment for all motorbike segments in Europe. We support the sport tagline is fortified to the Thor and Moose House Brands and their support of world elite MX riders like Blandron Prado, Langenfelder, Guadagnini, Jonas Bogers and nine times world champion Thor ambassador Tony Cairoli. Your Parts Europe dealer has access to all the big brands for your motocross and enduro bike. Necken, Pro Circuit, FMF, ODI, Cycra, Renthal, Recluse, and many more in stock ready to be shipped. Check out their website at partsyourup.eu or contact your local Parts Europe dealer with a dealer network of over 10,000 shops. We're sure there is one close to you. All right, welcome, Brian. How's life? And thanks for joining us, mate. Yeah, thanks a lot. And uh, thanks a lot for inviting me back on uh, this awesome show. I hope that uh, uh, the last show that uh, people hear it and, uh, and of course, uh, enjoy the the, the comments that you can you can get out of it and maybe even learn something. Yeah, but I think it's definitely a good source of motivation and inspiration to a lot of people just hearing your story and hearing the way you approach life and the mindset you do it with. So yeah, we were sort of talking before this and obviously I spoke to Bobby Bruce, who obviously had many good things to say about your work and you know you had many good things to say about his work. So I guess we'll just start with a quick chat on Bobby Bruce. Obviously he was looking forward to linking up with you again in the off season, super talented rider. You know, he loves the work. He always enjoys battling it out with you, mate. He said you give him a good test, but uh, sometimes you have to show him on the training day. So how is that shaping up for Bobby for 2024? He's a super talent. We wish him all the best and definitely one of the great hopes of British motocross because like we discussed, there's definitely a bit of a dearth of talent there. There's a lack of sort of streamlining in the programs there. And I guess he's one of the few that has the opportunity to race on the world stage. And that's where you got to be, isn't it, mate? Yeah, definitely. You know, like um, like every every step of the way you know like unfortunately you can say motocross is one of the you know toughest sports in the world and and not only tough as as physical tough but it's also very demanding for your mind so you know to be able to to actually go through this you know and 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 train and drill down every day every week every month every year yeah you gotta be a bit of a a special person and i think what will go that far that you have to be a little bit obsessed obsessed you know with with training and obsessed with achieving and and getting the results so it, it's great to uh, to work with bobby and and i still think there's a lot of things that we can improve because one thing that i have learned over the the years and and believe me it's a lot easier to be a coach to say this than actually be you know the rider or the guy that trains because you know i was always thinking that the the definition of winning is working hard and and if you're winning or you're just about to win if you're working double hard 
then you will get the the, the better result. But unfortunately, mate, it, it, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> you know, there's a there's a lot of other aspect uh, to it as well, and it, it's about about being patient. It's about believing in the process that you're doing. And uh, of course, if you have good people around me, uh, like good people around you, uh, when you do your things, you know, you've got to have a very trustful kind of a relationship where um, when I say we, you know, when I say jump, you need to to jump because uh, otherwise there's no point of being a coach if you don't believe of uh, of those uh, systematic, you know, training days where we, this is what we do. Yeah, but I'm, yeah, but this is what we do. And, and it's more like a, um, you can say coach Brian is more like a, you know, I, I, I don't ask if you want to do it. This is what we do, and not all the time we will agree on it. But uh, unfortunately, there's um, there's only one way, <laughs> and that's that's that that's my way. You know, that's that's why I'm called a coach. So it's also important to listen to the writers, of course. But uh, I think it's also really important to uh, to give to the writers that I know I know what I'm doing, and um, like I said, I I was that writer that maybe wanted to do a little bit more to get that little bit more, but maybe actually the effectivity of being like that could be working a little bit less and then getting more. So I always try to, to teach them, you know, like less can be more, you know, and, and being patient and wait for the, for the great moment is, is also very beneficial, which is difficult to do when you are young, you know, you are always want to be better and you want to achieve more, but there's a certain, structure in life that will form around you you know and then people get stressed oh, i have no money i have this and then i don't have that but you know when when you're working forward and you're being patient things will you know fall into place it's like it's like years you know it's like sprocket that have to go into each other and uh, things will fit at the right time and you more you don't force that situation you easier it's going to become if you believe in the process of doing it so so it's a it's it's a lot of interesting thing working with young writers because uh, I see myself in in a lot of the writers and I also see my own strength but also weaknesses and and some of my uh, weaknesses as as a writer was not having the the patience enough to enjoy of of what I have actually achieved you know so uh, yeah. it's it's great to be be this this side of the the table. Yeah, it was really cool. We were chatting about, obviously, the lessons you impart onto the people you're training and I guess the process of how to get there and how to achieve things. And you're actually mentioning, you know, you have to enjoy the good times, maybe reflect and be satisfied and proud with what you're doing because as a race, you're always on to the next thing. There's no time to sort of never settle, no excuses, don't rest. Because if I'm resting, someone else is working kind of attitude, which I guess has its place and it makes you an elite athlete. But there is some probably space in there to enjoy the good times as well, isn't there, mate? And we were talking about Broliakov before when you were training him and how you had to stop him from overdoing it. So there were some pretty cool sort of teachings in there too, mate, because obviously you had no one to really guide you. So you were just brutal every day on the grind, no limits. So there's some pretty cool stuff mm. in there too, isn't there, mate? Yeah, I mean, uh, like we talked about, like when, when I was working with the Russian guy, Borilakov, and he was riding for Steve Dixon with, with uh, you can say, factory Kawasaki and, you know, he had a he had a mindset of 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 a winner. You know, he had a, a very you, you you know he will never ask questions. You know, if I tell him that okay, mate, we we having breakfast and then we go cycling for hundred kilometers, he will never be like, oh, why are we doing that? Uh, or, you know, 
you know, go out and, and do 10 kilometers of, of running. He will never ask, like, why do I do this? You know, he will never ask questions. He will actually just follow orders, which I guess maybe was also a little bit the, uh, the Russian um, attitude in, in many ways. Uh, and Moschi maybe even more like a, a culture, you know. Um, I was I was telling you about that, you know, it's it's funny when you work with different characters, different writers. Um and and you know, I, I believe most character, if you want it bad enough, you can you can win races, you can be you can be good at anything if you want. Um but it was funny to work with him because you know he he told me some of the stories, you know, back in Russia when when he was going to school, he was living about six kilometers away from school. And, and, you know, he's, his mom and dad's just, you know, they were very hard people. You just, you just walk to school basically. But sometimes there's like those alarms in town when it gets over minus 20 and, and you are not supposed to like put your child outside and, and let them walk. You know, you have to drive them to school. He, you know, his dad was just pushing him out of the door and yeah, see, you know, that's 12 kilometers of walking in minus, minus, you know, 20 or 25 degrees. He didn't care. You know, this, this is the, the way the, you know, you got to do that. You got to go to school and I'm not going to drive, you know? So you could already feel that he had that kind of mindset, you know, he, he would never ask questions about what we're doing or why we're doing it. You know, I will give my reasons for why we're doing it. We will always do like a planning before training. But uh, he would never ask questions. He would just, you know, if I said jump, he would just ask like how high, you know. And um, and that was really funny. And 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 that's that's the good, you know. You can say uh, you have to have so much respect, you know, both ways. I always said if you want to get respect, you're gonna respect other people as well because that, you know, is not only going one way. Uh, but it gives uh, a very dynamic, um, you can say, partnership when you when you do those things and when you're becoming a coach for for a rider, you know. And and many times is it it really is you know the trust you know a trust of what we're doing is believing in in your own process of understanding why we are doing it because I can tell a lot of people they have to do this they have to do that but you know honestly if they don't understand why they're doing it what's the benefit of actually doing it. Yeah, of course, it's, you're never going to do it completely with your, you know, with your passion or with your heart. So, you know, when, when you want to be good at something, I believe, you know, the, 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 one of the success, you know, is to actually to explain to them why we are doing it and what that, that will benefit you and, and how that can benefit you, you know, not only for today's training, but tomorrow, but, you know, for let's say when we make one or two, three years plan, because, uh, it is it is very you know hard work and you you have to become obsessed with yourself and you have to become obsessed with winning that because you know to be honest with you when when we talked about in in earlier podcast about sacrificing and people you know say oh you sacrifice a lot well if if i have to think about my training all my dedication my passion if i have to think that as a, a sacrifice you know, believe me, it would be too hard to get up every morning and, and do the same drills and, and go out cycling in minus, you know, 10 degrees and freeze your, you know, your ass off of, of doing, you know, and, and believe me, that's not why you love it. You, and it's difficult to find the reason to do it. But for me, it's, you know, to become stronger mentally, I was just thinking there's not a lot of people that will do this, you know, <laughs> that there's a lot more people that would quit than actually following through. And, and I think that was one of the processes that I learned in this is that, 
you know, I look out of the window, I could see it was very cold, but I didn't look at the temperature. So I just dressed up like it was really cold. And then you went out and you think, fuck, this is really cold. But I already said to myself that I'm going to do three hours of cycling. So there's no way I'm going to quit. I never quit a training. I never quit a race. I never quit going out just because, you know, something was a little bit bent, you know, when the front wheels completely opposite direction. You know, it's what you have. You know, it's and I always said to myself, if you're if you're if you're getting up from a from a crash and you have time to actually stand there and put the bars completely straight, then it's going to be difficult to win a championship because when you're winning or you want to win a championship and you crash, you know, the time every single second counts. So the time that you're spending straining up the bars, that could be the one point that you're missing to win a championship. So even in training, sometimes. When I have the people, you know, on my school, uh, even with Bobby or whoever I'm working with, you know, when they crash, you know, I said, your job is to jump back on that bike as soon as possible. I don't care about the levers are down here, the handlebars is here, because you know what? Here comes the news. If you crash in a race and you are fighting for a championship, that bar can be completely bent. You can do nothing about it. It's just to get, you know, back on the bike, maybe lose one position. But you will regret for the rest of your life if you stand there and everything has to be straight and perfect before you can actually ride a motorcycle. I got sometimes up where the bike, you know, was completely bent. But you know what? After like a couple of laps, when you know that you don't have time to straighten up, you kind of get used to it, you know. But it, of course, it's a little bit more difficult with the timing in the ruts. But you, you, you know, your brain will adapt to those things, but only adapt to those things if you practice those things, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. so you know it, it's it's funny to see you know like some people get up and they're like dusting their gloves off and the grips have to be back in perfect and you're thinking one second two seconds three seconds you know and they can be 15 seconds before they actually start going first of all they put themselves in risk and other people in risk because it could be in the middle of the track people you know some people don't care but it could be you know the difference between you know, ever being in a position to win races. And, and you know, that I think is something that you also need to work on. Yeah, that's a really good point you make. They're obviously being familiar with being in these sort of adverse situations where you're in a challenge. But obviously, if you're doing that on the training days, you're sort of built to, you know, handle it when you need to. And another really cool thing that Bobby said to, to me when speaking last week was he said, I said, where do you get your confidence from, mate? Does it come from good results? Does it come from the training? He said, it definitely comes from the work. Because it's like you were saying, mate, you're getting up in that cold weather doing the cycling. That builds confidence because, you know, you're primed for an assault, you know, on the gate. You're ready to go. You're ready to rumble. That's where, you know, it comes from within, doesn't it, mate? There's no sort of outside noises that's necessarily going to give you that really, you know, strong confidence and, you know, faith in yourself. So would you say that's definitely a good lesson to take on? And I guess just touch a little bit more on your program. Obviously, it's all encompassing, you know, it's on and off the bike. It's obviously there's a lot of gym work. There's a lot of sleep, a lot of work. Maybe we'll touch on the phones in the next section. But yeah, it's got to be all in, doesn't it, mate? There's got to be so many things working in the right direction from the diet to the sleep, like we said. So just a couple of your thoughts on those topics, mate. Yeah, you know, first of all, I think it, it's really important when you do something in life, you know, in sports or whatever you do, you know, you have to, you know, do it the right reason. You have to find out why you want to do it. You know, if it's to become famous on Instagram or Facebook, or do you want to do it because you have so much passion for winning, winning? And you can see that as a goal. Or it could be money. Like it also can be for something, you know, Ryan Villapoto, he owned, you know, I believe that he only won a lot of championship because he could, you know, 
I don't, I don't think he really, really loved it. You know, I don't think he loved the drills and training. He loved the money and the cash and, and the money that he made out of it. And that's fine. You know, we all have different reasons, yeah. but I can only, I can only uh, compare to, you know, when, when I went in school, I didn't have any passion for school. I had to do it because I had to do it. But, you know, when you come into school and you have no passion, then you also are unprepared. So when you come into the class, I was very nervous because I really didn't hope that that teacher would ask me about anything because I didn't I didn't know a lot. I had a little bit of a skill to come into to school a little bit early, and if we had to go through uh, a book and and read about a book, and you know they will always ask you questions about, oh, have you heard about this guy? And you know most of the time, but they knew because I didn't read it. But other times I will come into school early in the morning and I will, you know, read the backside of the book and I will, you know, pick up those things really quickly. And then I will ask different people around the, the class early in the morning. And then I will kind of create my own little story about this. And then when the teacher asked me, he said, so Brian, what does this person, Christian, say in the book? Ah, he said this. And most of the times I was quite lucky, but I was always scared that someone would pick me up because I knew I set myself up to make failure. Because most of the times I couldn't pull it off, you know. So I always say to people, you know, this is the fear that sits in me always when I did things with school. But this, what I do now, I would still fail, but I will not be afraid to fail because I have this incredible passion for what I do. I have this incredible motivation for winning. And I also had this little skill that I knew both things, what they would take to get there. So when I set up behind the gate, my first year in, in, in uh, MX World Championship, I was scared because as I chose previous stories, you know, from when I became European champion, I was still working as a plumber and <clears throat> it, it was difficult to get time enough for, for everything, you know, to crime, to create the money, to be the mechanic, uh, to, to drive to the races and still have energy to actually do two times, 40 minutes plus two laps at that time. Uh, so I also knew that I I would fail, but there was no other way that I could do it, you know. But I did promise myself that if I ever had the chance to become a professional, I would do absolutely everything what it takes to get there. So what does it mean to do everything? Well, everything for what I knew at that time, because of course I didn't have a lot of people to you know, to guide me and say, oh, you have to train, you know, four hours a day. And then in the winter, you have to, you know, maybe take one week rest and then you build up for the next season. You know, I didn't have those information. So uh, some people could say, yeah, but you raced the first uh, two years of or uh, three years of your racing career, even if I had, you know, maybe five podiums, individual race podium and finish six in the world in the one, two, five. Yeah, but, you know, I didn't know better. It's not like I didn't want to, but I didn't have any, informations that told me how to do it when to do it so when i signed my first factory deal with suzuki 250 i had a, a professional coach which is called the millimeister which was already training with morning barewoods michael pichon joshua coppins and then i understood holy crap you know i am not fit enough you know i, I just i have done completely the wrong thing but you know what? You, you can never say that it's a failure when you don't know better. You know, that's why, uh, you know, I'm a lot more clever today. I, I became a lot more clever through my racing career. And you can say when I had put the puzzles together with team setup, you know, the mindset of, of preparing in the right way, being, you know, completely focused, sitting behind the line and being ready for what I 
what I knew I could do and and build the confidence with the work of of effort of uh, of training every day and being you know focused on my sleep my nutrition everything what I did was down to the you know the small small details but then well, I was too old I was already 30 or 32 years old you know and in, in you know that the career was was over in 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 many ways you know so I think you know having a guy like myself or other coaches you know which have done something or have a lot of information is of course incredible beneficial you know for for a lot of riders because you you get a lot faster to the to the target and you get a lot of faster to the to the actually possibility to sit behind the line and you know with Bobby I said you know Bobby your confidence is not something that I can give you but I can definitely tell you and learn you how to train and I will do all the climbing I will do all the drills with you on a bicycle or you know even sometimes you know do some technical drills on the on a motocross bike I will not be able to challenge you over a 40 minute motor on the motocross bike because that that day is, is over for me but I still have technical skills enough to to show some details that is just basic in on on a couple of corners or you know the the line choice or whatever and on the bicycle I'm I'm still you know fortunate enough for myself that I still have the motivation to still want to go out and be strong on a bicycle and be in good condition. And uh, I see that even as a blessing sometimes for me, I'm thinking, so even sometimes I'm, you know, thinking to myself, why, why do you love to push yourself that much? But, you know, this is what I've always done. You know, this, this is my life, you know, since I was very young, I can still, I was out the other day and, uh, Again, you know, I went up this after we spoke, and I went up this mountain, and uh, it's just this guy just came past me because I said to myself, "Just relax, you know. Just I feel quite tired." And he came by me, and I just I cannot help it, you know. I just had to go up, and I and I reached like one, I think it was one eighty seven heart rate, which should not be possible uh, in my age. But that's just you know, I loved I love a challenge. You know, when someone put it in front of me, I would grab it and I would hunt that thing down until I get it. And, you know, almost, and I'm lucky. I feel so blessed that I still have that, you know, competition in, in me because some people are, ah, fuck it, you know, they just let them go. Yeah. Um, but in, especially in cycling, I would probably a little bit different in, in motocross because, you know, if I ride with Bobby Bruce, I am I am well aware that I don't have the same stamina as before and i'm well aware of that if i try to go the same speed i could more probably do but i will i will ride over my own comfort zone you know <clears throat> which i'm not prepared to do anymore because the consequences of riding over that comfort zone is probably more than what i should be able to handle in my age because when if and when you crash you know, you're not like when you were 17, 18 and you just bounce off the floor and then you get up and like, you know, still the bike is still tumbling down the hill, you know, and you're thinking just run after it, yeah. you know, and then you find out that the whole bike is broken and the handbar broke up, but you're still okay, you know. And, and I think that's going to be the opposite way now. <laughs> the bike is probably going to be okay, but the the, yeah. the old rider is not going to be uh, as okay anymore. So. So I, I, I find it very interesting, you know, with the mindset and, and when we're training and I love to, if Bobby will go and he will try to challenge me, <clears throat> I, I will, I will hunt him down. <laughs> That's basically, and, uh, and I see that as a, as a blessing in, in many ways to be able to do that.
but where also you can actually do the work <clears throat> with them and they obviously respect you for doing that for still pushing through it getting through those tough moments and you know grinding it out and i guess it gives you know with all your experience and knowledge it gives them good direction that everything they're doing is with purpose intention and it's focused on you know an end goal of whatever it is you're trying to achieve but there's something in mind at the end that's not sort of without direction so that's really cool and i guess as a trainer you're always trying to elevate and you know, never stand still. And because there's differences to be made in so many areas. I remember speaking to, I think it was Lorenzo about Tim Geiser's training. And, you know, he's an absolute weapon, you know, five-time world champion, done so much in the sport, so much left to do. And he was saying he is never standing still either. He's always looking for, you know, upgrades in his training program, little different, you know, percentage points to make up here and there. So that's mm. what it's got to be at the top, isn't it, mate? Because you can never settle. It's always a constant work and a constant sort of grind to elevate. And I was going to say, do you actually like gain insights from other sports as well too, mate? Is that something you look towards because obviously covering you know soccer or football myself there's a lot of guys that you mm. know gain influence from things like ice hockey and basketball and this kind of stuff with you know tactically and you know with different structures and frameworks and pressing and this kind of stuff mate so is that something mm. you look towards too yeah i mean you you've gotta you you've gotta be following with the you know the the elevation of the of the sport but also in sport in general you know you you see it from from now I, I I follow cycling quite a lot as we we talked about in the in the previous show and you know that really fascinated me you know over um, I, I, of course we had like many good riders which some people always ask me how do you get so many good climbers in Denmark when you don't have one single mountain <laughs> and and that can still come to a question mark you know most of the times when we go out. It, it's pretty much flat, but what we are dealing with all the time, you know, when I lived in Denmark also was, was the wind all the time. You know, you can, you can have like a mountain that's 15 or, or 10% going uphill. Uh, but when you're dealing with, you know, doing 7K or 120K or whatever you do, but constantly win, you know, that is also something that really pulls on your leg. And I don't know how many you can compare that to percentage, but I can definitely say that's tough. But uh, but but cycling is something that fascinates me in in, in many ways, and I actually have a good contact with uh, with one of the the good coaches from one of the the tour teams, uh, the Grand Tour teams, which is actually Bora uh, Hans Grohe team, which is a, a world established professional uh, team. He also trains Galvin Fernandez um, and Bobby Bruce as well um, on the physical side. And it's very interesting to hear him uh, talk about training. And, you know, like I always said, you know, one thing is to actually get the young people to understand about training. When you understand about training, it's about to understand them when to train, how to train, when to rest. Because if it was just about training and going out, you know, balls out and just, you know, sweat and, and go with high heart rate all the time, it would be too easy, you know. So now it becomes more systematic. It becomes more of a detailed system where okay this is what we're training today this is what we're training tomorrow this is what we're going to do on wednesday you know always doing different variation because if you want to become a good athlete you need to understand that it's not only about training it's actually trying to do the right things at the right time because if you don't have a program and you don't work in your watts that zone or your heart rate zones and you have no feeling for your own body you know, there's a good chance that you never begin become a good athlete or becoming a world champion. So, it, it you know, like I said, there's there's so many aspects of becoming a a good rider. You know, you have to understand yourself first of all, physically, but also mentally, and you have to understand that not every training have to be hard to actually get 
benefits from the training. It depends on what kind of uh, areas of your physical uh, condition that you actually want to be stronger. So some people, when they do the testing, you know, some people are having a good lung capacity, whatever that, and, and some people just don't have the fundamental. And I always said, you know, it's the fundamental training that builds the, the confidence to build a high house. You know, so you have to start with the fundamental stuff, which for most people think that it's just, you know, one or two hours bowls out, you know, that's how I get stronger. No, no, it's, it's, it's working in low zones It's working out in some zones where you think I can possibly not get anything out of this because I'm trained. I'm used to train with hard, hard rate and get, you know, the, the feeling of, of iron in my, uh, my throat where you, where you almost taste blood, you know, then you think, you know, in, in my point of view, when I was young, this is what, people taught me when you can feel the, the taste of the blood then then you have something you know then you're done well uh, but that's not how it works you know now we we have to find you know we have to go with the uh, the developing of how you train and we talked about it also a little bit on previous show about Tour de France and you know if that doping or no doping I should not be the judge of that but I definitely understand that you know everything you know everything becoming a lot more down to the smallest minus details, everything from nutrition. You can see if you look 10 years back in the Tour de France, everyone would be drinking a Coca-Cola when they come in. I don't see anyone drinking a Coca-Cola when they come in. They have like now they have like a, a shake, whatever there is in that shake, but it could be, you know, um, yeah, I don't even, I don't even have any idea what it could be, but uh, it's definitely something that is not anything too related to doping, but it's something probably that it gives a faster recovery. You know, when you see they come in from, from the speeds, they have cycling uh, straight away. They don't care if they need to do interview, they come straight in, they'll be sitting on the cycle. Every team has set up the cycling and then the interviewer of the, um, of the whatever channel can come and interview the, the people. And that's just that's just how hard that cycling is, you know, the need that recovery. And that's something, you know, I'm trying to learn the riders as well. You know, when you come in after riding, you don't sit there and then you're like, oh yeah, that was a bad race. And then you're constantly thinking negative, but also at the same time, the body falls asleep because you've just been out with the highest level of intensity that you can ever imagine, you know, stress for your mind, but also for your body. And now you're sitting down in a chair for half an hour, getting, you know, a bullet in letter from your mom and dad or whatever that people are there you know so you're coming in with your shoulders are just completely you know down uh so that's also something you know like i always say to the rides you know be active come in get your food make sure we get on the bicycle we 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 talk about what we could do a little bit better but most of we are we are focusing on being in the present moment and what we would do in the future because the past we cannot change. We can talk about it. We can evaluate about it, but we can do nothing about it. And that's why I always say to the riders, you know what, guys, we are here training. And it's this moment now that we want to make a difference. You know, I don't care if you go out and think, oh, I don't feel so good. I don't give a shit. This is the present of the time. This is where we need to perform because this performance that you make today could be the last performance of your career winning a world championship and make a difference for yourself and make it all worth it if you have those dreams or it could be a failure where you will regret for the rest of your life so fucking live now work on the best of yourself every day 
And that's how you become good. You know, is it's you know we all have bad days. We all have days where we we don't feel as motivated. But I think it's about you know sometimes looking deep in yourself and actually understand. Fuck, I'm I'm almost here. You know, but why don't I get the last bit out of it? If if I live here and now and live in the present at the moment, you know, I can only be better. You know, and and. That that's something I think it's very valuable to to the riders and and like uh, we talked about last time with with Namur, you know, myself being that frustrated, you know, I had to go back to the deep roots of being me. I have to understand, you know, why I love the sport so much. You know, why do I always think just about the results, but maybe also thinking about all the grinding and everything what I have done so far to get here and I fucking deserve it. You know, when you come from nothing to you sit there and you're, you know, on a factory team, it's not because you're lucky. It's not because someone is, is blessed or because you haven't, uh, you know, it's because you're fucking good at what you do. So why do you doubt yourself that you cannot do this? You know, and you, sometimes you have to go that deep in yourself. And that's why I always say to the rise, you be honest with yourself. Don't come in and tell me bullshit because I'm clever enough to see exactly what's going on. And I don't have any emotions involved with, you know, if it's good or bad. But what I have emotion is to always tell you the truth because I'm not a, you know, I'm not never going to be a coach that, you know, fold everything in and, ah, yeah, but that, that was, that was good that you finished 25 when I know you can finish 10. You know, it's, it's just, it's just not in me. And, and sometimes, you know, it is difficult as a coach to like, you can see that he's trying, he's, you know, kind of hardest, but, you have to tell him, you know, this is not good enough. And then, then, you know, not everyone likes to be told that they're, they're not doing it good enough. But what I always say to them, I said, it's a difference between being your dad and being your coach, because I don't never do criticism without having a solution to you as well. You know, if, if I say you write bad, you know, I will always say, yeah, but, this was not so good, this would not, but if you do like this, or you come with criticism that is constructively uh, positive, then I think it makes a huge difference, and that's why I said oh, it's so difficult to be a parent and be a coach and be a financer and be everything, you know, and that will be the same, you know, if, if my son chooses to ride motocross more in the future, you know, it would be difficult to teach me him, even if I'm standing with all this knowledge, all this, you know, experience, but you know what? I have to keep being a dad. And, and then I have to hire other people, like we talked about before, the same with Stefan Evers, 10 times world champion. But, you know, Liam probably made the biggest, uh, in my opinion, eh, make the biggest elevation of his writing when he started working with Ben Townley. Is Ben Townley a, a better coach than Stefan Evers? No, I don't know. But Stefan Evers is Liam Evers' dad. <laughs> that, that is the biggest difference and uh, you know like um, like when, when you come in as a coach it's just easier like Ben Townley to to tell him straight this is the way it is or maybe it's just more fun and game and you don't have that pressure of you know someone teaching you all the time there's been 10 times world champion and you know that's what I think sometimes can be beneficial for for a trainer like myself I tried a lot of things I invented a lot of things I had a lot of motivation for myself and achieved a lot great things with always a target of wanting to to do the best what I can 
but I never been a world champion. You know, I had many great results, but that also gives me a like, I think you can do it like this. This, this is what I suggest you to do, you know, with when it comes to writing styles, because I believe that, you know, you cannot take someone that have a completely different writing style than me and take him over to be me because then you lose the old effect of being him. Uh, but you can change small things. And that's why I also like carefully, I, you know, I kind of chooses, you know, who I, I can honestly see that can become a lot better as a rider with my kind of technical aspect of riding a motorcycle because not it never suits maybe everyone. But if you give them more like, I would like you to stand up more in the corners and because you can see here when I show it that it's just more efficient, it's a lot more easier, you get time more to breathe and you use your balance instead of your power. You know, then you let him him try or her try and then hopefully they, you know, the penny drops and they think, hmm, that really works for me. But I also have riders that, you know, I feel more comfortable sitting down and it's like, yeah, <laughs> that's okay. You know, it's the end of the day, it's your own decision. Yeah, whatever I'm works trying, best, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm only trying to give you options where you can consume a lot more energy. You know, if you can ride like, you know, like I see myself as how I was riding, you know, with, with using less energy and being a lot more smooth and, and efficient on the bike at the right places a little bit what we see jade lawrence is doing now in the in in you know in the present uh, of of being 2023 you know of course that would be you know you yeah, i can i can almost feel his heart raining when he's riding you know everything is so well calculated and remember that moments for myself where you have that confidence where you, everything you just you just put at the right places you know that was the right throttle that was the right gear that was the right braking and then getting into that flow where your heart rate is feel like it's it's just dropped 20 beats, you know, instead of being in the middle of the pack after a bad start and, you know, people are taking you down and, you know, want to go into it and your heart rate is like way up here, you know, and and then you can say, yeah, I have to relax. Yeah, but it's fucking difficult when you don't know, you know, when someone's going to go right straight through you. And that's why you have to be very, focused on your own mind you know and and being really you know practicing i was always i give that as a advice to other people as well i said there's different between telling yourself you know thinking yourself that you know i had this thing with if i was start getting on arm pump or something i would say in the beginning i would say i would think it relax but for me it didn't give any effect with you know thinking in my brain to actually it's going to come in my arm so I had to scream at myself, you know, going, relax, you know, calm down, you know, you you okay, you know. But I had to physically say it, like, if you said it to me, you know, yelling it to me, because then I kind of, fuck, I woke up and then was like, okay, yeah, okay, now I, I understand, you know, I have to relax. And that was my way of getting over arm pump and, and stuff like that, or, or even, you know, ride with a lot of stress when you're riding, you can build your shoulders up here instead of just, relaxing and you're feeling it you know so there, there's many different things that you can uh, you can take in to to help you and uh, and and that's the great things with you know with being in the position i am in now i can i can help other riders and you know we can try this and and see if it works yeah but i'm sure they obviously maybe don't appreciate that honest feedback at the time but you know given the prism of time they'd appreciate it because there's no real benefit in the long run sugarcoating things is there mate and you know, and the lessons you said there about drawing on the tough times to give you strength, 
you know, when the work's really hard and the day's not good and you don't want to be there. That's sort of, once again, like I said, for the race day, you can draw on that and said, I'm here now. Look, it's I've done the work and I'm ready to go now. And it's pretty cool how you sort of confront, you know, things and a pretty real talk with these riders because obviously you know that they need it and it's not because you want to pick on them. It's because it's what's best for them, isn't it, mate? It's coming from a place of you care and you want to improve them. It's not coming from a place of negativity. It's more of a, like you said, constructive criticism. I guess you're always probably modifying your approach i guess especially for the modern age as well and that sort of comes into the kids with the phones and the social media and you know there's a lot of shortcut mentalities going on and it's like look what i can do it's a click of the fingers and i'm awesome but it does project a false perception Mm. in a lot of ways and i guess it's something you need to manage and you know maybe educate the kids on maybe don't use the phones before bed have dedicated hours to do it because they could just you know, spend hours on it. We were mentioning Nathan Crawford from his training program, the Zero Zero Elite. He was saying it's a really tough battle trying to get the kids to switch off, especially because, you know, mentally that really fires the brain, especially before bed, and it keeps you too engaged, you know, too stimulated. So just a couple of your thoughts on those things as well, mate, it'd be great. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, we, we talked a little bit about it before, all this social media and all this, um, you can say, approach and, and pressure from the outside. I have to be this one. I just saw this guy is doing this. And, you know, and but 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 I like it. Let, let's get it down to, to, to the real things. You know, first of all, if you want to achieve something, you need to grind, you know. And, and second of all, if you want to be good at something, is the consistency of doing things over and over and over again, you know, to do the consistency of doing and having the will and the determination to do that, it actually comes from a deep place with, you know, it's in the heart. So, you know, I said always the procedure of getting people to, to perform on their level is always to speak open about what do you want to achieve? You know, what do you want to become? And some people don't know what they want to become. And I said, well, I think it's a good idea that you go back to the drawing board and you actually find out what you want to achieve because for me as a coach working with you or working with people is it's not about if they want to become a world champion you know because only a, a very a few, a few percenters maybe even want to do all that work and do that grind for whatever reason to become one of the best writers in the world but i think it's always important to understand why you're doing it and what you want to achieve with it if you want to become the, the local crop club racer and you want to win that's fine but i think always it's important to have a goal in mind so when i say to people it took me like 28 years or 29 years to win my first grand prix can you imagine how many years that i have been through my process of this year i'm gonna do a a race win this year i'm gonna win a world champion you know i'm gonna be a top three in the world you know all the grind that I did so many years, when you think about how many freaking years that you have been thinking about winning and not winning, you know, in, in real life and how many times you could see that as a massive failure and, and it would be a lot easier to quit on that because not many people will, will go 28 years to be, you know, successful at something or 29 years. You know, a lot of people said, oh, fuck, we, we, we go on. You know, that's the same with business, you know, when we relate sports people to business people you know if you're going to start a company and you want to be successful or something it doesn't matter if you're ian musk or whatever you are you know you will hear about his failure as well because if you don't fail you'd never learn and you know that's the grind of being you know a positive mindset is that you will be falling down and you will you know you will get up again and you will keep working you maybe work again from zero but you learn something from the previous failures 
So failures is not something that is always negative. It's actually something that is very positive, you know, because if you fail, then you come and move on for that. It's not about how many times you fail. It's about how many times you can actually get up and actually thinking about that. I'm going to be great again, and I'm going to be better than when I failed the last time. So I think it's really important for those uh, young writers to be honest with themselves. And, and of course, you know, like I said, I just have my own procedure in my training school. I, you know, I hate having people and, and spending all my time and knowledge and talking to them and helping them in a way that I think could be beneficial for them to become more safe, first of all, but also eventually getting more speed. And then the first thing what to do when they come in after I've been standing there for 45 minutes, telling them all what I have and we have been drilling through and then, they would take up their phone and that would be, you know, everything what I have just taught them and talked about with a lot of passion. It's just, it's just gone out the window because now they see, you know, five posts from their friends, which is doing something completely different. And they're like, Oh, so, you know, all the time the mind is grinding, but not on the thing that we have been grinding, but the things that, you know, distract them to actually think deep about what you do. And, I have this a lot when I go with, with the writers to the gym as well. You know, you're, you're like, yeah, just a moment. I'm just going to remember my phone. No, you, you don't need your fucking phone to, to, you know, to do squats. You know, you don't need to post to anyone that you're doing squats. You know, you, you, you can do that, but then you just take one picture and say, I'm in the gym working out. And then you leave the phone until you're finished because, you know, your job is actually to, to do the things. And there's a lot of, you know, also when you hear, like, I, I, I listen to, to mental speeches, you know, and motivation and stuff like that. And, and, and there's a lot of things saying that, you know, one thing you can actually work the muscle of your body without actually working on the muscle. But if your mind is in that muscle and you are actually completely aware of what you are actually moving or want to be moved, it's far more effective than just, you know, doing a pull down your life. Uh, you're looking around like I'm, I'm doing it physically, but I'm not getting anything out of it because your mind is not focused on that specific area. So I always said, you know, when you do things, try to think about what kind of muscle groups that you use and what kind of effect can you get out of using the right muscle groups of, of doing things. And in, in that training skill, there's a lot of different, you know, uh, perspective of getting the writers in focus, leave the phone, and, and most of the writers actually say to me, you know, after a week together, you know, even when I have my, my cycling camps, we, we can speak a little bit about why, why I do those things. It's, it's a lot of things that we, we do in those camps because it, it's, you know, a training school for me is not only going out on a, on a motocross and just ride and learn them. It, it's a mindset. You know, I want to give more, you know, I want to give them some technical skills to become more fast and become more safe uh, because we all know the consequences. But to be honest with you, a lot of the incidents are happening today is because people are not sleeping in the right way. They have so much frustration or, you know, thing on their mind because we see a lot of shit on the, on the, on the social media that keeps going in my mind, oh, Christian was also doing this jump and maybe I could be, I beat him last year, you know? And and we lose focus on on what we want to do and how we're going to get to that to that goal because we are looking at all that social media and, you know, what Fink can do and he was there and now he's here, you know? Focus on yourself, focus on your own drill, be honest with yourself 
and fucking put the work in. And if you put the work in, you will get to that place one day, you know. And I don't, I cannot promise it's going to be tomorrow or the next day, but but it will get there. And I'm a living proof of it. You know, I I, I spent you know many years of my life thinking since I was four years old when I first got in contact with a motorcycle bike that I could be, you know, one of the best riders in the world. And but you know, one of the reasons why I became that was because I believed in the process of what I was doing. And I kept, you know, coming up from fail. You know, I failed many times and I got up and I was like, hmm, okay, this is not how to do it, obviously. So now I'm going to try this. Hmm, that didn't work. Okay. So, but I slowly find my way into how to become more efficient on the bike. You know, I, 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 I worked a lot about being focused and making sure that I'm when I'm turning up at practice, and especially after I became a professional, you know, making sure I read, you know, yeah, eat at the right time. I get my routines in, you know, being very structured of everything. What I did in life, it was almost like a robot, but, you know, still with, with some variants of, of doing new things as well, because I think it's also, it can be too much of a, like a robot, just I'm going here and then I turn right and then, you know, but doing some other things uh, also regarding training, but also regarding, you know, mindset and enjoying, you know, most of all enjoying what you're doing. And I think that's the, that's the skill in life, you know, to try f- to find out like, how do I get there? And when you maybe get there, how do I continue to be here? And how do I make it fun? Even if it's my job, because that can really messes up a little bit with your, with your mental mindset you know because now there's a lot of pressure because you know a lot of people when you're a factory rider for yamaha suzuki or honda whatever brand that you're riding for you know of course there's pressure but you know there's going to be pressure anywhere where you turn your 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 way in life if you're good at something so you better deal with it in the right way and finding out how can you have the most pressure from other people which are always going to be but how do you deal with that pressure and actually be just being yourself and just having fun with it and I think, in my opinion, I would not say that I was per- perfect at it because I, I didn't quite learn that complete balance. I knew how to do it, but I wanted it too much. So I also forgot to enjoy myself. I, you know, When I achieved that incredible moment where I won both races in, in, in Teutonthal, you know, it kind of became very clear for me what kind of person that I am because you know, you're working for something so many years and then you're finally standing there, like winning the lot, you know, not because of the money, but because of the actually, you know, achievement that you actually get, you know. And and then I forgot to enjoy it. You know, then it was uh, immediately when I was standing up there on the podium, I was looking down. My mom was there. You know, a lot of good friends was was around at that time. And I was standing there and I took myself in looking up to the sky because, you know, of my my previous story that my, my dad died when I was quite young and, I always believed that he was with me as a, as a racer, helping me and guiding me and without actually being present at the moment, but he was in my heart. And, and when I looked up in the sky and, uh, you know, I was, I was, I was just about to lift my arms, like completely fucking, we, we made it. But before I got my arms completely up, I start thinking, and that was my, you know, that is my mindset. I start thinking about now I have to prove it again next weekend. You know, I, I can do this now, you know, I, I, and, I did, and I forgot to enjoy the moment, you know, of, of actually when you achieve something, there's been, a, you know, your life art and of work, 
you know, I forgot to fucking achieve it. And that's, you know, the only regret that I have with, with my career that I didn't, I was not, uh, you know, it was not like I didn't appreciate the results because it was amazing. It was amazing feeling. Uh, I was in, you know, almost every front cover of the, of the magazines around the world as well, even on the, the motorcycle, uh, motocross in, in the U S and that was incredible feeling. And it gave you a good feeling, not because of the fame, but actually thinking that people are actually accepting this, you know, that you worked for so many years and it's kind of like, fuck, there was other people that saw, a, you know, a one day's race. This, this is actually real, you know, this is actually real. But I, I must say, I forgot to, uh, to enjoy it the, the most. And that's just the character that I, that I am, you know, and uh, that's what I can say with, you know, if I have one writer that I really think that have a perfect, um, how can you say, uh, what would I say here? I would probably say a, a composition perfect, uh, or y- yeah, or, yeah, a dynamic was probably Anton Caroli because uh, you know you could really see that he he was playing his well way through racing in so many ways. You know he loves his DJ thing and. And uh, and when he he won a championship, you know, at a big party, and he enjoyed the moment, and and I think that that's probably the perfect combination. But I was not I was not able to do that in that that same way and give you know free, and now I can go out and do some drink or or, or enjoy myself. You know, when the last five years of my career, I think I never I never took a drink, and and maybe that can be sometimes the releases of actually you know, thinking, fuck, you know, let's go out and, and, and go crazy sometimes and then we restart again. But but immediately after I finished fourth in the world in 2003, you know, having my best career um, of, of my uh, MXTP year, uh, I was only thinking about one thing and that was to fucking get home and then get testing and then uh, at that time I went to Florida to do do riding in the winter with, with Team Honda and actually thinking about winning because now I was like, I was so, you know, fourth in the world. I was six or seven times on the podium in the the end of the season in 2003. And every time I climbed that podium, the first time I was never offered for the, for the rest of the season. And I think I could not even believe I was living my own dream, you know, thinking, is this for real? Am I, am I really that good that I can actually be up here every weekend? And it was like someone saying, yeah, you are fucking that good because you work your ass off to get here. You know, it's like, ah, it was almost like someone was speaking to me, you know? And, uh, and then when you go, you go back and you're so fired up and you just want to train because that that's what we talked about before. You know, you're thinking more training will make you a lot better, but maybe that was not the, maybe that was not the case, you know? And, uh, and that was the, the the first season coming into the 2004 season that I actually thought maybe, you know, I, I actually didn't, maybe I could win a world championship. I was like, I can, I can win a world championship. You know, this is, this is, this is what I worked for. And I believe that it was going to go, going to go through. And uh, it didn't for, for, for many reasons, but uh, you know, you got to have the belief uh, what you do is correct. And you got to believe in the process and, you gotta have that certain instinct of never giving up and never quitting because it's just, you know, it's just, it's just not, it's just not worth it. You know, you will, you will live uh, regret for the the rest of it. And that's the, that's the thing what we talked about. You know, with social media, I said, fucking live your own life. You know, this this is what you see here, but this is other people's life. 
what about your life? Who do you want to be? Do you want to be like Alex Hodgson or, you know, like uh, Antonio Caroli? Or do you want to be your own best, best version of what you can get out of your life? Because you're not Antonio Caroli and he's not you. You know, but live in the present moment where you're focusing just around being you and being a better version of yourself. I think that's the that's the problem with with the the you can say the newer generation. There's so many outputs. There's so many things. I have to live up to this. I have to live up to that. And he was like that when he was 15, and I'm here 17. You know, who gives a shit? You are you. You have it in your own process. I mean, I didn't become a European champion until I was 19 years old. You know, you know, 18 or something like riding together with Sebastian Tatella, which, which was only 16. But I was still an amateur, and he was actually a professional because he had, you know, Jackie Mimon as a coach already from when he was 14. He was in Yamaha France having, you know, good material and and a completely different mindset, a structure around him. I was driving around in my own little truck, you know, <laughs> as I told, you know, and and yeah. I was just having fun and I was just a kid and I went out race and then I won because, you know, I had a certain talent, but I didn't even think uh, at that time that I, um, how I could actually do it. I just, I just did every race as good as I could. And then suddenly, you know, it came down to the last race and either I'm going to win it or he's going to win it. And I just put everything on my line to, to do the best what I could. I mean, and it worked out. You know? Yeah. It's so it's, uh, yeah, and but but that's always you know not quitting and and never never giving up and believe in in the process of of being yourself because you as soon as you start comparing yourself with other people, that's where you start you know looking backwards instead of looking forwards. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Well said. And it's like combining that hard work with tangible success in terms of race results. That must just be the best reward, you know, and a boost to do even more, mate. It probably kicks into the next gear and, you know, reinforces the principles and importance of things like the routine, the structure, and I guess taking ownership and extracting positives in the process, like you said, because it's not easy. It's so much hard work and it's really not for everyone, like you said, when you train riders, you know, there's guys that just want to get better at riding and have fun, but there's some that want to be pros like Bobby Bruce, be champions. They're the ones that obviously really want to be that few percent that achieve great things and do all they can to get there and do you have troubles mm. with i guess some of the riders you work with in terms of the discipline and i guess the maturity and professionalism because you can't control every action like when you're on the track with them you have an element of you know you can impart all the skills and the knowledge and the wisdom onto them but i guess taking you know responsibility and accountability for everything they eat and do and you know what actions they take because you know everything's got to be geared towards motocross in a way if you're a professional so is that something you I guess, have challenge with the discipline and just sort of getting that knowledge through to them that how important it is because, you know, you slip for a couple of days and it can have some serious consequences, can't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's, it starts all, you know, of, of course you cannot embrace every person that you meet and, you know, you can only do so much when you have training school or, or not working with them on a completely professional level, you know, you also don't want to scare them. Uh, I want to say the truth, but you don't want to scare them because maybe their wish is not to become a professional racer, uh, but just to become a, a better version of themselves, which is completely fine. But uh, but definitely, you know, I, I try always to guide them thinking that, you know, <laughs> one of the best tips that I ever got in my life, I had people with nutrition, I had people, you know, specialists and this and that, and, and training and so on later in my career. But my mom gave me the best, the, the biggest wisdom that you can, you, you can probably have. And the, the best advice is that 
eat a little bit of everything. You know, it, it's not it's not it's not bad at eating McDonald's if you only eat it once a month or every two months. It's it's maybe not bad to eat meat, but just make sure that you don't eat it up to the races because when you eat a lot of meat, it consume a lot of energy. You know, to break the meat down, and that's why it's not very beneficial to you. So so if you want to eat meat, so. With, with my riders and make a schedule for the riders that, you know, it, this we can eat on Monday, Tuesday. But by Wednesday, we, we are finished with meat and then we go over to, you know, more carbohydrate meals and, and light processed food, you know, such as, as fish, maybe chicken, you know, uh, eating more carbohydrates because now you start filling up the, the depots for, for the weekend. And, uh, you know, in that way, you can guide the riders. And, and I'm always like, uh, we we have been training today. Let's go down to Burger King. Yeah, yeah, but you know, you guys can do that. That's okay. But but uh, you know, we we're not gonna do the same tomorrow. And and it's okay sometimes. You know, some people have you know the the feeling of you know sometimes they they want to get a a Coca Cola that could be uh, or even like myself. I I know that Red Bull is maybe not the best for me, but sometimes I. I love to get a cold Red Bull, you know, and and that's my that's my little naughtiness in life, you know. I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, I'm a I'm a I'm a bit of a bad boy here. I'm, I drink this Red Bull. That is not good for me, you know. But I I don't drink and I don't take drugs. So so in that way, I I feel that I'm living up to my own. And and I train to, you know, I don't have a nutrition plan, um, but I train to to put myself in that position because if I didn't train. And I love pasta or I love uh, something else that is maybe not uh, the, the best for you in terms of, of putting on weight. You know, I can say I, I do all this training because I love it, but I also like to be a good role model for the riders. You know, if I come out and say, oh, guys, now we're going to do uh, 90 kilometers and I know that I'm already, you know, 20 kilos too heavy and, you know, it's not really sitting great on my body, well, you know, can I be the right inspiration for the riders and would I be able to live up to, you know, myself most of all, but also my, my previous name in the sport. I was always one of the fittest guys. So there's a lot of, you know, things that I just keep myself in the way that I keep because I'm just, I enjoy to be in good shape. I love to look myself in the mirror and think, hmm, I can actually be quite proud of that. I don't do it for, for my girlfriend or for other people's thinking, oh, he's really... But I do it mostly for myself. And of course, then, you know, when you go out with, with people like Bobby Bruce, who is also very fit, yeah, of course it's nice. You know, it's uh, kind of a little bit of a clap on the shoulder and thinking, you know, yeah, I, I do this because I want to put myself in that situation. So when we go out and climb 10%, I don't want to be left behind completely because I'm eating McDonald's food every day. You know, it's, it's what kind of inspiration is this? So I always say to the people, when you... When you look at your food, look at it and look very carefully and think, is this really good for me? You know, because everyone expects a lot from the bikes and factory suspension, a lot of pipes and, you know, a lot of money. And that's when, especially when you speak with the young people, but I'm always pointing at, at, at them and said, what could you do to, you know, if you're five kilo too heavy or you're not training uh, well enough? You know, do you even think that you are in a position to to have our Caprovitz and best pipes and everything on the bike if you are not performing with the right race fuel? Because, you know, everyone wants the best bike and fast bikes and whatever, and they want the best equipment. 
But I think it's most important to look inwards and think, am I the best equipment? Have I put race fuel on my body? And that comes from eating properly during the week, sleeping properly, you know, having a clear mind, because I can definitely see big difference between the consistency of the performance of my, uh, the riders uh, in, in maybe more nowadays, because there is so many uh, expressions around, you know, there's so many things to look up to and, and that's what I'm trying to help the writers with as well, you know, trying to say, yeah, but it's, it, it's not about him and it's not about him or that person. It's about you and it's about living here now and do the best what you can do to become the best version of yourself because you're living nobody else's life. You're living your own life and there's nothing more regrettable if you are, you know, looking back at your life in 10 years from now and you think, fuck, if I just done this if i've done just because that's going to stay with you for the rest of your life you know and that's what i always said to myself when i you know when i was in in a position or you know set in a position where it was a lot easier to quit i'm thinking fuck you know quitting it will always you know last for the for the rest of my life but getting my best and getting the results out of what i have that day that you can never be pissed off about because you can only think well, i did everything but i could I was maybe sick. I, I felt not good today, but we're going to have moments where we don't feel good. But if I can embrace that and, and get the best out of myself that day, is there anything to be said about, you know, like I said, when I finished my career, I was many times on the podium, I was a European, British championship, multiple time Danish champion and, and got great results being able to ride for three factory teams. Of course, I was disappointed of not being a world champion. You know, I would never disagree in that. But also, I had to convert that over to a positive mindset and thinking, well, you know what? I did everything what I could to become the best version of me. There's not one single part that, you know, I would probably have been more happy if I learned quicker. But when you have no people to, to guide you in that direction, you can only be clever and more efficient by learning by your previous mistakes yeah so all the time it took me time and it was maybe a long grind but it took me some time to actually be able to win races and understand that i was a championship contender you know with some of the best people in the world of riding a motorcycle and and you can say i learned a lot from that you know and 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 i did my best you know of everything what i could and i learned a lot and i did a lot of mistakes but you know what, <laughs> that's life. And, you know, you will hear any good businessman that, that had a successful company or became successful that everyone will tell that, you know, what I know now, if I could do it again, you know, I would be even better version of myself. And, and that's what I'm thinking as well. But, you know, that time is gone, that, that, that train is passed. But what I can do now is actually, you know, becoming a lot more uh, clever with with my writers and and telling them great stories about my failures because you know most people don't want to fail they think it's a very they think it's a fail to fail you know but i said you know you you more you get comfortable with being uncomfortable you know you you easier and more your experience and you know, easier it's going to be to to learn from your mistakes and and i think that's an issue as well you know i said to you know, to writers also when they have a little bit of fear of this and that and said that there's nothing to be afraid of. You know, how many times have you really been afraid of something if you have good confidence? How many times have you had good confidence without 
making the preparation, you know, to make your confidence. Like we talked about in school, why I was nervous because of course I was not prepared. I was shit scared what the what the teacher's gonna ask me because I didn't want to fail because I was, you know, I knew I'm gonna fail. I'm gonna set myself up for failure. And sometimes I pull it through, but the consistency of what I did in in school was not there, not because I was stupid, just because I had absolutely no interest of being there. But I, I did the best what I what I could do and and then I wanted to become a racer. And you know, I, I kind of pulled that through and uh, and used that weakness that I had in school towards my strength in racing because now I suddenly had passion. I did something that gave meaning completely for me. But you know, some some people wanna be good without putting the work effort in, and some people wanna be good even if they feel scared. So I said, What are you scared about? You know, if you're not, if, if you have so much passion for what you do and you're willing to put the work in, you can have respect, but that's a difference between being scared. Scared is something that you, you're having that fear of crashing and you think, well, if you're having that fear of crashing, is it because that you're afraid of hurting yourself or is it just because you don't love the sport enough? You know, I was, I was ready to put everything on the line. I didn't care if I, you know, to be honest with you, and this can sound very, very hard for some people, but to be honest, I didn't care if I if if I died from racing, because I knew that I would put everything on the line to become the best. You can call that, you know, sickening for for many people. It's like, yeah, but you don't like you like, yeah, I, I love and appreciate my life, but you can say that in other words. That's how much I love the sport. I didn't care if I died on the way to become the best. I didn't care if I came paralyzed for riding a motorcycle because i always would put myself in the best situation so in the back of my mind i will think about it but i knew it would not happen because i prepared for things i didn't set myself up for failures and to be honest with you this is the biggest frustration i sometimes have because i don't only learn them to train to be faster to be more efficient but i learn them to train to understand that you more physical demand that you have your easier it is to focus in that way is a lot more difficult to make you know big mistakes yeah. because if i'm sitting going up a mountain and you know i want to be aggressive to that guy i want to pass him but my i'm on maximum heart rate because i don't have you know i'm not even going to think creative of how i'm going to pass him and what i'm going to do because the only thing that i'm thinking about it's just to breathe and and not kill myself with with choking in my own breath, you know, in in my own breath. So you know, when you are in good shape, you, you everything is just more relaxed and it's never gonna become like really easy, <clears throat> but it's definitely gonna become a lot easier to think in a proper way of how you can pass people and how you can survive a race when you're in good shape. And this is, to be honest with you, my biggest goal with being a coach is is of course to have some people that really wants to become and help them living their dream it it's it's my dream uh it's the next best thing as being a racer yourself because that that era is is past but also for people to get more safe if there's so many reasons and then so many positive things that i could actually bring to the table for a lot of people that don't even want to become a world champion, but just telling those things, if you sleep properly, if you're focusing on yourself and you eat properly, properly, and, and you do a little bit of exercise, you don't have to be Brian Jorgensen, uh, you know, obsessed with, with, with 
kind of training and being in good shape. You don't have to become that, but let's say two or three times a week, you would not even understand how much better position you're going to set yourself in. And, and don't do it for me, but do it for yourself because it's your life. I have my life. I know how to proceed and go practicing when I'm, if I feel stressed, I, I don't feel good, you know, because of, you know, when, and when my, my mom died, I didn't ride the bike almost for, for half a year when, when my mother died. And it's not because I don't like the sport. It's just because I have simply so much respect for the sport that I knew mentally I could not, I could not deal with this, you know, I could not deal with, with the things that was happening in my life. And then actually going riding and being completely deep into, uh, to this with, I knew had a lot of consequences. So you got to have respect for the sport. And the way that I treat respect for the sport is to train and to be focused and to eat and sleep. Even if I don't ride the bike every day, but I only maybe ride the bike, you know, it could be two times, uh, every, every month. Like sometimes it can be one time a week. But every time I put myself on that motocross bike, I make sure that I'm in the present moment where I am 100%, you know, focused on what I'm doing. Not because of I want to be best and better, a better version of Brian, Brian Jorgensen, what he was in the past. Not because I remember that I was winning racing, but just because I purely have the, the passion for the sport and I want to have fun. And the only way for me to have fun is to be focused and be in good shape. Yeah, it's awesome. Man. I guess it's pretty cool and satisfying for you to be in a unique position to share your knowledge with people. And obviously you've gone down the coaching pathway and you're definitely all in on it, mate. I guess that would give you a great you know, sense of enjoyment and just to help others because it's like, I remember a famous soccer player, Viali, who died recently. He said one of the things he used to really enjoy was doing charity and having golf days for charity. And it was like, be selfish, get into charity because it feels good to help people. And I guess that probably resonates with you as well, mate, because, you know, as humans, you know, you want to help each other depending on your approach and, your, you know, the way you live your life and, you know, what values you have and fundamentals and principles and all that kind of thing. But it is good to help people out or, you know, do good things for animals that are in need. So there's a lot of cool lessons as well, I guess, in the job as well as in a human side and a sports side and just, yeah, working towards, you know, turning negatives into positives and making them the most complete package they can be dependent on what their goals are. And there's always some pretty cool stuff to look forward to, isn't it? It's not like you're at a level now, you can't get better. There's always something to a carrot to chase and improvement to be had. And I guess, yeah, it's pretty cool the position you're in, mate. And I guess you just wake up every day and enjoy it as well, even though there's probably some tough days, but you live in a nice sunny place in Spain with the family. So there's so much to, you know, be happy about, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's always about putting yourself in 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 the best position, and you know, I don't, you know, you can say, you know, it it takes a, a certain selfiness or um, focused and you know to be a racer, uh, but I always, you know, always try to teach people and also about you you can be selfish and you can you know you can be arrogant, you can be all the things when you have put your helmet on. You know, because now it becomes real. Now you're sitting behind the gate and you want to fight with 39 other riders on the on the start line. That's okay to be selfish, but you you have to almost be a little bit of a schizophrenic person because you have to have two personalities the way that I see it, you know. And and some people balance that better than other. But, uh, you know, when, when I tie that helmet and, and still today, I, I don't go, you know, to win in, in the same way that I did, you know, 15, 20 years ago. But I still go with the mindset of doing my best. So that that becomes the the selfiness 
you know, if someone is in my way, I would, uh, I would not, I would never go into him, but I would definitely show my front wheels and fuck off. You know, I'm here to, to actually race the track, <laughs> you know, and, and that's where the, 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 the selfiness come, you know, I want the best for myself and, and I want to have fun. And the only way for me to have fun is to go on the track with a certain mindset of being 100% focused. But then there's the other, the other Brian Jorgensen was, is when I come in contact interaction with fans, you know, people and, and I believe that was one of my strengths. You know, I could be one of the best racers in the world and uh, and still being, you know, uh, a nice guy to people because I do remember my roots. I do remember, you know, where I come from, how I got there. And uh, and it's important to inspire other people to, you know, to become the best version of themselves, you know. So I'm a very important picture of how I behave. And I always took that as a big responsibility of how I behave, you know, behave for other people and be a good role model for the for the sport, because I think that's I believe what we need. You know, it's a, you know for people to recognize our sport. You know, they also have to recognize our personality. We are warriors. We are out there to do the best for ourselves. We are, you know, we are fighting for everything what we had. But we also, you know, you can also be a man and then you know shake a hand and say ah. That pass I did over there was, you know, was a bit hard. But you know, at the at the at the moment where the heat is there, you know, you do everything to to win because that's what you work for, and that's not being, uh, you know, that's not being selfish. That's just being ambitious, you know. And and there, there's always a difference there. Also, you know, it could be even in a relationship of people around you. You know, like yeah, you're very selfish. You want to do this, and you just went to the US, and you went to here to train. No, mate, that, that's, that's not because I'm selfish. That's because I want to win races. And that's because, you know, I'm investing so much time, you know, to be the best version of myself. And whatever that takes, I will fucking go there. And I will not ask people for permission to go there, you know, because I know that's, that's you know, when, when I'm on that track, nobody's going to help me. Nobody's going to give me good advice. Oh, you should have turned left down here. When that fucking gate drops, you know, the bullshit stops. And then you are your best, you know, you have to believe in yourself and what you do. So if you don't learn to make decisions and, and make decisions for yourself and be a little bit selfish in ways, yeah, you're probably never going to be, you know, a good racer because that's also the thing with coaching and with, 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 with the people that I'm working with. I'm not a babysitter. You know, I'm not, I'm not here to babysit you. Oh, you have to go on this place on the start line or you have to remember you have to turn left. You know, no, no, that, that's, that's not how I work. You know, I want the people to be, you know, their own boss and I want them to take decisions that the thing is right for me and for them because, you know, whatever I think was right for me, that was that was for me. I can give them advice and say, you know what, if there's a little bit of a soft spot, you know, try to avoid here. But how do you feel on, on this pick of the start gate? Because for me, when I choose God start gates, it was it was deeply uh I got feeling that I had, you know, I, I will go over and I will look at every gate. I will of course look at my position with the front wheel down to the first corner. If it was a 90 degrees or 180 or whatever it was, I will, I will consider that as, as a, as a game where, where I should place myself. But at the end of the day, if I was choosing between three or four gates, it was always a feeling in inside me. Like it was really weird. It was always a, a weird feeling of, you know, if I believe that, this is the gate that I'm going to make a good start. I will choose that gate. And and some people will, oh, but it's better to be on the inside. No. 
you know, I, I didn't care what people say. I will listen to them and respect them, but I will always have to make my own decision. And that's why, you know, being a racer, you, you have to look at for advice. And, you know, and as I said, what we do in the trails of doing the training is I'm guiding them a lot. I'm pushing them to become, you know, comfortable with being uncomfortable because you said, yeah, but now I'm almost tired. Yeah, yeah, but then we do the last drill. No, but I'm too tired. So I said, if you're ti too tired now, just think about the feeling that you have right now of being too tired. And this was the last race of the year and you have that same feeling and you have been working all your life to become a world champion or European champion, whatever your goal is. Just think now again, am I tired? Am I tired enough not to do this drill? Or are you just tired because your mind telling that you're a little bit tired? There's, there's a huge difference. And that's something that I always evaluate with the riders, you know, when they said, I'm tired. Yeah, but if you don't learn how to get yourself tired, if you never learn how to push and beyond, you know, that limit that you have, maybe the limit is here. But in the real life, I push my myself way over the limit that I didn't even know exist because I never touched that limit. I never knew what tiredness was because when I feel a little bit, oh, a little bit tired, yeah, then I thought I was tired. But you know what I mean? It's, it, yeah. it's about your mindset, what your mindset, if you're used to doing a lot of work, if you're used to, you know, pushing yourself more, you can, maybe the limit is, it's above yeah. the roof, you know? Yeah. So, so what I'm trying to do with the boot camp during the winter and, and the training effort that we put in with cycling and the camps that I do is that actually to test them a little bit, you know? So, so what, what do you think is, is tired for you? You know, how much do you want to sacrifice to get to top of that hill? You know, because I can see from your heart rate is, your heart rate is 200 and you are coming up the hill and you're doing 175 and you said you're on the limit. I can tell you straight up that you are not on your limit. And then you don't understand your limit, you know? So <laughs> I have that privilege in life that I know my limit. You know, I can push completely up to, you know, like I said, I thought maybe my my heart rate was, you know, maybe only 185 because it'd been a long time. And then I saw this guy and I was like pushing because then I had like a, it was like a rapid that I chased down, you know, it was like, and, and suddenly when I looked down on my heart rate, what's it was like 187. I'm thinking, hmm. I could actually do a little bit more. So my heart rate limit was probably 189. That would be my maximum. But, you know, I'm 48 years old. That shouldn't probably be genetic possible and physic possible in the moment. But, uh, you know, sometimes you you can do a lot more. And that's that's a great thing about being a coach as well. And, and for me, you know, working with Bobby and other writers is that, you know, they don't have to come to me to say that it's hard because I've fucking been there. You know, I, I know exactly how it feels. I know exactly how tired you are. But I also know the benefits of me getting out to a race, waking up in the morning thinking, fuck, I'm really tired today. I'm really tired. And then you get out of that camper and you meet your team bus, which is the team bus from Factory Yamaha or Factory Honda. You know, and they are motivated. The team are motivated. They don't give a shit if you are tired. You know, and that's why you have to pull yourself in the neck and thinking, no, you're fucking right. This is my job. This is what I choose. This is the path that I choose in life. And you're just fucking gonna, you know, go out and perform on your best. And some of those days, you know, I can say that when I won in Tritzenthal, I, I didn't, you know, I was in bed by 10 o'clock always, but because there was such a big party, 
going on in 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 Teutonthal and the Germans. I didn't sleep till three o'clock in the night yeah. until you know Joel Schmidt went up and he pulled all the bat, you know all the the things out for the power. So he killed the music and the part in an instant of a of a second, you know. So, but then you think, fuck! Now I'm so focused always on my sleep, and you start thinking, I, you know, I'm I'm not going to be able to race with the best riders in the world because I'm only going to get like you know three hours of sleep or something like that. But it 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 doesn't matter of what you do at that one moment, and if you miss one sleep or something happens, but it's the consistency of what you do through the week, through the months that will get you through. You know, sometimes when you have to go to the airport, you think, fuck, I only get three hours of sleep. You wake up and you're like, you're ready because, you know, sometimes it's, it's okay to come late to sleep, but it's the consistency of what you do and uh, that will make a difference. And and that's what a lot of people and a lot of writers don't understand, you know, that we train today and tomorrow and uh, I don't feel like training. Well, I, I don't care, you know, if you told me that you want to be the best writer or you want to be better than what you already are, you know, you you gotta be willing to to feel comfortable, feeling uncomfortable, and and drilling more than what you were able to do before, because that's unfortunately how you progress. You know, same as going into work. If if you want to have a better position in a company, maybe other people are going home at four o'clock, but you maybe have to stay till six o'clock and showing your boss, which is always the latest guy that's gonna leave the company. That I fucking I want to do this. I want to sacrifice something to actually get to that position. And uh, that's what life is all about, man. It's a, it's, it's about a, you know, giving your best all the times and a, and and willing to put more in that you already did before. But with the right amount of of you know, when you become a professional racer, of course, I think it's it's not only about training; it's about training at the right time, knowing and understand and associate yourself with people that understand this either on their own body or have a physical you know, um, education or good education of, of how to recover. And and I think that's some of the important things of of, of being with, with good people in your corner is actually to have people that can guide on their specific uh, strength in, in, uh, in racing or in nutrition or, you know, why it's important to sleep. You know, when you tell people that you have to go to, to bed at 10 o'clock, why, why do I have because your body is the only way to your body to body to recover is when you're sleeping, you know, and and there's even if you have nine hours of sleep, there's only a, a certain amount of those of those sleeps where the body is really going deep into sleep, you know. Uh, but when we come back to social media, when you have been watching social media, they will they, it will take maybe an hour before your whole brain system is 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 going down to normal and then you can actually fall asleep you know because all the images that you see all the time just keep grinding in your head and uh, that's why you know I, I i try not to to look at my phone you know at least one hour before i go to sleep i just leave it completely and and it's not the first thing that i you know grab when i get out of bed is like oh, what 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 happened while i was sleeping you know on instagram you know, and and I know a lot of people do that, and and that's fine. But that's not how I live my life. My life, you know, I, I live my life, and and when I say my life, I'm, I mean I want to get the best out of what I can do today, and that's not depending on what I've seen on on social media. Unfortunately, you can say when you have a business like mine, you also have to keep yourself a little bit updated. On you know, you you see what's happening with this electric bikes, and you know what's happening there. Trey Canard is in Japan, you know. Where did that come from? That is like instantly just 
things things are happening a, a lot quicker over the last six months which you could never imagine is gonna gonna actually happen or maybe even didn't want to happen you know so so my life is also to to follow up and see and and a lot of writers always you know um, contact me on on instagram and it isn't it's just it is as annoying as, as it is it's also an important challenge you know to to show things and <clears throat> to show what am i all about and uh, you know if, if people want to want to go in and, and write a message on on uh, my Instagram or Facebook, they're, they're of course welcome, but it's not always that I respond because I, I just try not to be so much on, on social media. But if you go in on Brian Jorgensen MX School, uh, yeah, then you can you can maybe read up a little bit what I'm about. And I have some some pictures for the past and 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 some for the for the present moments that we live in. Uh, there's a lot about uh, cycling. It's not because I I don't like motocross, but uh, it's just because I, you know, when I put stories up, it's, it's because I, I want to share those beautiful places. And they are always amaze me when I go out cycling. It's just, it's probably one of the reasons why I love cycling so much is that I'm out in the nature, you know, getting fresh air and, and seeing new things every day. Or even sometimes, you know, last week I did over 300 kilometers of, of cycling. And uh, and I just looked through my, my uh, Garmin and, you know, I got, my girlfriend gave me the, the the Garmin watch for the cycling in the, the 17th of March on my birthday. And I could see that I was almost done 4,000 4, kilometers since uh, the 17th of March. So, and, and in that time also, you know, I do work as well. <laughs> it's not every day that, you know, I'm traveling a lot. So uh, it's been for a few, a few good hours on the bicycle, but I enjoy every moment and I really appreciate you know my life as it is and and i think you know when people say you know you're so lucky that you have this life so i say yeah but i create my own luck mm-hmm. you know at many times you create your own luck and the only way to create that is to actually you know keep grinding and 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 things will will happen uh, good for you and not not all my life is on on roses but uh, <clears throat> i think i created the life that i, I wanted for myself and i was willing to sacrifice you know for some people it's a lot of sacrifice to get to where i got uh, in my career all my life you know but um you're in charge of that in the, and and i believe everyone can can be in charge of that if they really want to but it starts with believing in yourself and start you know cutting out the bullshit what you see on the internet and living other people's life where do you want to go yeah, that's great insight, mate. And obviously the thing you said about the choices and having bravery and I guess conviction, authority in the decisions you make. And obviously as a motocrosser, it's going to be selfish a lot of the time because it's a you know it's a one-man band, even though the support network's just so massive. People like yourself, trainers and and family and wives and girlfriends, so important to, you know, to give the rider a shoulder to lean on this kind of thing, mate. But yeah, it's been awesome to have another chat, mate. Last one before we go just on the topic of, you know, training and I guess what's your take on the training facilities out there? Obviously the star racing out in Baker in America, you know, really brutal environments. Obviously you've got Kenny Van Duren doing a program with the Yamaha. So that's pretty cool as well. And in Australia, the, you know, the zero zero elite rider training for Dale Beaton's pro formula, a lot of these training programs set up and I guess it's a good environment to test these guys. It's pretty brutal, you know, building fierce characters and competitive natures and pushing them to raise the bar each day. It's like, Every day's a battle to see who wants to be the top dog, mate. I guess. What's your thoughts on that? I guess it, you know, it probably cuts out the bullshit, and you know, you're going to have to be prepared to lose some days. You're not going to be the fastest guy. And then I suppose the other edge of the sword is someone like Cooper Webb, who's 
traditionally not the best trainer, but when it's race day, as they say, he's the Sunday mm. man. He's all over it. He can turn that game mm. face on. So, you know, switching different mentalities and how they approach each rider would have their own way of approaching it. So especially the younger ones, I guess they come in there, you know, full-blooded, ready to go to attack the challenge and want to win every day. So mm. that's quite an interesting dynamic those programs create, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I speak sometimes with the... Uh with Gert Svarnepo, which is the, the trainer for Star Yamaha. And uh, we, we speak on, on different things, you know, of course, <clears throat> there's there's different variants of training. There's different nutrition, you know, there's a lit, lot of different medicaments. And I was speaking with him because I started associating myself with Rhino Power and, and the hydration fuel because I was really always you know, tired of going out on those long bicycle rides when it's really hot, you know, we talk about over 40 degrees and, and most of the times during the summer it's between 32 and, and let's say 40, 40, 45. And, and then going out for three hours of bicycling, 100K or whatever, you know, you need to have some proper hydration fuel is not filled up with stack of sugar. And because then you're just coming in a sugar rush, you know, and, and then your variation of, of focus is just coming up and down. So I was really, you know, I know Rhino from, you know, Ryan Hughes from from when he was racing and we were, we had some great battles together. So I know that everything, what he was doing and, and of course, also with so many athletes using it, like Eli Tomac and, you know, even Tim Geiser is using the product, but doesn't get paid. So he doesn't have to, to, to show things. So, um, so, so there's a lot of things that I had to talk about him about. I said, are you really using those products with Hayden Beek and then, you know, the, whatever the, the, the other writers are called? And he said, yeah, we are. And he told me the procedure of how to use it and, and when to use it. And I said, great, because I have this feeling of the product when I'm doing my cycling and, and you know, with the motivation pills and it gives me this feeling. And do you have the same experience with, with, with Hayden and, and the other writers? He said exactly the, the same. And, and a lot of the writers use it because of the consistency of what to do every day. And that's where it becomes down in the smaller detail when, you know, when to take the, the, the products, when, you know, when to get up in the morning, when to do the cycling and take it after the cycling. So they're all the time they're on top and having the race fuel in the body. And we also talked a lot about training and, you know, the great facility that Star Yamaha have at, at, at the goat farm, you can see where there's already so much history gone down already over the years with, with Ricky Carmichael and his mom, you know, being a, a, a coach for him, you know, kicking him over the, 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 the break or the, the clutch sleeve when he was using the clutch, you know, and, and that motivated him to become faster and stronger and better, you know. And, uh, and I think, you know, what, what are the things that I really see that developing over the last, uh, you know, let's say like five or 10 years that, you know, with this Eldon Baker program or maybe more years, you know, they start training in groups, which is also, to be honest with you, when you hear Hayden Deacon with some of the interviews that it does, it's not always, you know, the, 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 the best way maybe sometimes, but he, you know, he said, you know, like, it's not every practice day that I love to because I know I have to go out and, and break the best. And when you're fighting for a title and you have Levi Kitchen breathing down your neck, you can see at some of the races there, but they were even on the podium one, two, and three. And he said, this, this, this race was nothing different than it was on Thursday when we raced together at the Goat Farm because we were fighting to become the best on the training day. And that just gives that edge all the time, you know. And Ricky Carmichael said to me also, we were actually doing a training school in Sweden uh, back in 2013 where you had the, 
the Ricky Carmichael Academy, or I cannot remember exactly what it was called, but it was Ricky, uh, Jeff Emick, uh, Jeff Stanton, myself, and, and Jamie Dobb. And uh, we had a lot of good talkers and uh, talked together. And he said, you know, one of my strengths of my career is that I had my mom there. I had a lot of respect for her. She's never been a motocross rider, but she was a very tough, you know, maybe unusual tough mother. <laughs> I could not imagine my mom t- uh, teaching me <laughs> to, to ride a motorcycle or even being tough in the sport. She was always uh, very, very, you know, like maybe most mothers are a little bit soft, you know. Uh, but he said, you know, the, the 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 most incredible things that he got out of the training with mom that he always trained on the same level that he was racing, you know, and that means he was always on the limit. So he said, even if you thought I was maybe not the smoothest rider in the world and the bike could go sideways, it didn't feel like that to me because that's how I practice. You know, the bike will go sideways; it will be out of control. But when you learn how to to deal with those things and your reaction time, because your mind is already kind of preparing that this is going to happen because you are not jet lawrence where everything is you know perfect with the gears perfect with the with the clots i mean carmichael he was he was beating the shit out of that clots for 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 one motor you know and uh, so in that way you know he you know a lot of teams now they're training together they're 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 making this race environment become norm- normality so when they come to the weekend it's it, there's no you know of course there's always pressure but there's no pressure of sort of, of am I fit enough? Am I fast enough? Because they already knew because the competitors that they practice within week is, is going to be breathing down your neck. So it's just a normal practice day. And he said, actually, you know, that became uh, something that he was choosing when he chose the team because, you know, I hate and Deacon had probably uh, possible to go with any team. He tested Pro Circuit. He tested KTM. Uh, but he said the program that Star Yamaha had available for him was choosing out from what he liked. You know, he said if I want to change the suspension in the last moment and I want to go completely different direction than Levi Kitson, can I do that? Yes. If I don't like that engine, what most of people are riding with, can I change that? Yes. Okay. You know what? From my perspective, this is the perfect team for me because it is a team. They're very strict, but I can also give them my input how I can become a champion in Hayden Deacon way, you know? And I think that's such an important um, message to give out there also to teams because I've been writing for teams where, you know, you can say that they 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 took me, uh, you know, when M- Mikel Pichon came into the to the factory Honda Martin team in 2000 and the uh, end of 2003, this was the first year that Mikael Pichon was on a four-stroke because he became two times a world champion on factory Suzuki two-stroke. So he was coming in, you know, and, and of course I was a little bit afraid because I just finished fourth in the, in the world. I was, you know, seven, eight times on the podium. I fucking, I, I knew how to nail this and I knew how to, where we could improve for the next season. But when Mikael come in with a completely different mindset, with a different engine that he used in two strokes, I thought, you know, that I hope that the team I have gave them enough confidence to keep believing in what I'm doing. And maybe Mikael would choose to go south and I'm going, I keep going north because of, of my knowledge and my results would lead me that way. But it was very smart. The team was very good. And, and uh, Marcus, which is now the, the head chef of, of uh, Tim Geiser's team, uh, Fritz, which is a Brazilian guy, he was my mechanic. 
and he was very smart. You know, he let me lead my way and we work in small progress towards the 2004 season where when Pichon came in, he said, I want more power. I want this. I want harder suspension. And that was fair enough. They gave him all that. But after we did the first couple of races in Mantua, we did the Star Cross where all the, the, the factory riders raced together before the season. We ended up on the same path after the second Grand Prix. We ended up at the same path. So they actually got, he got almost a Brian Jorgensen replica bike because I had the experience. He was maybe world champion and he was maybe faster than me, but I had the spirit experience over those couple of years, how to set this four stroke up. And I knew that if I had a, if I had 70 power, 70, you know, 70 horsepower on my right hand, that's great. But I have to deliver that consistency of being able to hold on to the bike for 35 minutes plus two laps. So I don't need 70 horsepower. Maybe 65 or even 60 would be better because it's not the fastest lap that choose if you're going to win the race. It's the consistency mm. of racing all laps and you feel you know you can attack the bike. And if you're shit scared of having so much power, you know, you're going to be ending being more scared than actually moving forward. So when, when you come to a team and what you're talking about, Staha Yamaha, I, I think it's such a great team because of that. You know, they, they're giving the, the possibility to riders. They said, this is what we're doing with training. Nobody can move. This is our trainer. You follow his procedure. But whatever that happens on the bike and what you want to change is it's individual. You know, you can have completely different engine that Levi Kitchen will choose uh, or, or, or what's named Craig that was in the team before. But, but, and I think that's so important because, you know, I said to Honda Martin, if I want to put the handbars in the, in the rear, can I do that? Yeah, you can try it. Probably know that it's not going to work, but, you know, at least you try it. You know, I tried bigger tires. I tried, you know, different, uh, you know, maybe 18 inch uh, rear tire and, you know, 20 inch front tire, you know, I tried it all. But if you don't try it, you're always going to play in your mind. Oh, it, this, this, if I didn't try this, you know, so that, that freedom to have. And like with Swanepoel, he said, of course, it's difficult with Star Yamaha having that many riders that that good with so many different characters, you know, because you, you kind of, you know, you don't want to do too much for him, but then, because then he thinks that, you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're racing for titles in Supercross and outdoor. Uh, so, so I would hate to be in his position, to be honest with you, sometimes with, with such a strong character of, of choosing of, of, of riders. And personally, um, I got to admit something, you know, I, I never thought that Hayden Deacon's going to be that successful. My son always said to me, you know, he was watching all those um, uh, YouTube uh, shows and he said, ah, he's incredible. So I said, yeah, I know he's fucking amazing, but He's going to burn out, you know, when he born up, come, uh, if he becomes pro, I, I didn't believe that he's going to have that hunger to actually wants to win because, yeah, he had the best bikes, he had the best facilities, you know, he have a dad, he was successful himself. What is that to, you know, what is that to achieve? But um, he still, uh, my son always said to me, who was right? <laughs> I was like, uh, <laughs> Yeah, you actually, you actually right. You know, I must, I, I take that one on the chin. I didn't believe that he will be that hungry and right with that desire that he actually writes with, and that's just, you know, show me that I can also be wrong. You know, I can, I thought yeah. sometimes I look at things and I'm like, 
this is never going to work out. He had the fast, you know, the fastest KTM 85, you know, all the way up. He had the fastest, even got a really, you know, the best bike in the moment, maybe in, in the MX2 field. You know, how is he going to be, you know, how is he going to overcome to be better? But uh, I must say, uh, <laughs> I, he proved me wrong. He's a, he's a great rider, and, and I'm very surprised of the desire that he still have to, uh, you know, being, you can say, so much focus on him, you know, since he was, it was he eight, nine years old when he did the backflip and, you know, started this YouTube channel, which, which of course was a great idea. You know, when you think of it, ah, I just exposed myself. It's just about them. And yeah, but you know, you got to get the best out of what you have and, and the time that you have on the bike. So if you can make, you know, with millions of, uh, <laughs> of, of you and you can make millions of that alone, I mean, of course, that's going to come into consideration, even if you are maybe not the best. But when, you know, when you're talking about Yamaha and branding and, and stuff like that, I mean, you can never go wrong. And if the guy can actually ride a motorcycle as well and be, you know, having that many fans, I think you, you have the ultimate of, of what you can achieve, maybe. And, and he's going to be a, a great, you know, and I think actually also he's a great ambassador for the sport, you know, the way that he speaks and, and the way that he approached the sport, so um, yeah, it's a it's it, it, there's a lot of uh, good good teams, and I think the 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 thing with the teams now they understand that the riders have to train together, and uh, that what most of the team you know not everyone maybe likes the way that Elton Baker do things, and maybe not everyone likes the way that you know Schwanepoel is doing his training, but you know I think you got to choose a program that you believe in, and uh, and when the results start coming, then yeah you don't have to believe and you just you just see you know this this is what we have to do yeah it's going to be fascinating obviously watching Dagan and the Lawrence brothers you know in the future you know and him against Sexton and it's just going to be fascinating to see how that plays out as he moves up in the classes and even just in the next couple of years it'll be awesome mate but yeah we've almost sort of racking up towards the two hours mate we put the 90 minute cap but we've sort of already gone over that mate but it's been yeah. an awesome yeah. chat and we got through so much. We could probably get through another, you know, five hours of stuff. There's always heaps to talk to with you, mate. And we haven't really sort of scratched the surface on MXGP and how that's shaping up for 2024 or anything like that. So, no, it's been awesome, mate. And before we let you go, we'll just thank the sponsors for the end of this one in AS3 Performance Parts, the home of aftermarket motocross and enduro parts, from hardware and protection parts, including skid plates and radiator braces, to performance cooling parts, such as silicon radiator hoses and oversized impeller kits. AS3 also have a huge range of brake, clutch and gear levers, all with different features and adjustability. Check them out online at as3performance.co.uk. And obviously Kawasaki Motors, the KLX140R, 140cc engine with plus suspension, push-button electric start, makes for great trailblazers. The machines come in three different sizes, ranging from Junior's first tentative steps to pushing the door wide open on adult riding. The highly regarded KLX140R range is ready and willing to add fun enjoyment in 2023. Contact your local off-road dealership for more information. All right, Brian, all the best, mate. Thanks again for taking the time. We definitely look forward to getting you back on again. I think the fans are definitely enjoying these, as am I, mate. And, yeah, cheers for making the time to do these. We really appreciate it. Yeah, and thanks a lot for for having me on the show. And uh, like I said, if, if people want to look a little bit on Instagram or, or Facebook, it's Brian Jorgensen MX School. And uh, have a look, and and uh, if you need any any assistance of training or of or, or some advice, just uh, just write to me there, and I will try to come back as as soon as possible. All the best, mate. Thanks again. We look forward to speaking again soon. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you, guys.